live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Stevenson wins the draw. Petrangelo for Theodore. Shoots it wide. Rebound. Out in front. They score! William Carrier puts the Knights on top. 2-1 Vegas. 16 seconds to go. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Weekend Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to Friday, 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 Cofield and company as Adam Hill is here as the company. James is helping us out down at the set. Ari is back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Big Friday on the way, a lot of NFL news, always NFL news to get into. What's going on, Adam? Not much. Always exciting to be down here on a Friday, down on the strip, <laughs> feeling the energy. It's great. Are you really excited or are you, are you feigning excited. excitement? I didn't sound excited. Well, you, you did. I called you grumpy last week, so I feel sure. like you, you were responding because your family got all mad, so it'll make us both happy. But then I called you out for now being excited. I, should I, I? Is this like middle? No, is this no. Bad I, right actually, now? Is I, this better? I actually do like the excited, but you always accuse me of uh, if you see a picture, like any times I'm, uh, anytime I try to you've, send out a little social media. Yeah, you've doing never had U- a real smile in your life. Right, doing one of the UNLV games, I smile, and you're like, that's a terrible smile. Yeah. It's fake. Just because I have resting bastard face doesn't mean I can't smile. It's it just never, it just looks unusual. Never in a photo has it been accurate. I'm not saying you haven't smiled in real life as a person, like you've laughed or chuckled or right. whatever you do, but you've never been happy to take a picture, so you've never actually smiled in a picture. Not entirely true, but a debate we can get into another day. Uh, it's perfectly good right now. Victorious day today. Triumphant day for many people. That's how we want to open the show in positive fashion. Happy hours going down here. At the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, Treasure Island is the site. Free parking for locals, so come on in, watch the show, check out all the games, including golf, which Adam wants to get into in the middle of the show. Although now it's become a big story with, huh. uh, I'll leave it at this, Tampon Gate. Believe me, you'll want to hear it. And it's, again, it's the red meat that my group, the 50-plus, freaking loves. Well, we start out with triumphant day for... Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs, the Commanders. There's a lot of angles to cover here, but it's been developing throughout the day as Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, who has gone through 15, check that, 16 head coaching interviews over the last four years with 15 different organizations, barely got a sniff this year to be a head coach. Meanwhile, Two other coordinators in the Super Bowl within a day had a head coaching job in the National Football League. Eric Bieniemy has finally done it. He'll be the offensive coordinator of the Commanders. Not a head coaching job, but as many people out there will point to, he hasn't called the plays for the Chiefs. So now to Andy Reid's wishes, Bieniemy will get to run the show under Ron Rivera. But he does get to run the offense and call the plays. As far as we know... It looks like this is 99% done. There's been stories throughout the morning and the afternoon. So, hey, if this is what the enemy wants, good for him. Yeah, you said triumphant day for who? I'm, I'm going to say triumphant day for the Chiefs. I mean, the bottom line to me is that the Chiefs wanted him out, but they didn't want it to be messy. And they didn't want to fire him. Because the, I do feel like they might not have made the move. 
But I feel like the hidden part of this isn't that he didn't get a head coaching job. I think he was closer to getting fired than he was getting hired anyway. No one else is talking about this. Yeah. Have you? I, I texted some of our Kansas City folks earlier, so I'm waiting for an answer. Because I've noticed a, a bunch of weird things. One, there seemed to be a really concerted effort, like they, like a script after the Super Bowl. Eric did this. Eric did this. He was responsible for this. He nailed this. Genius move. Eric, 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 Eric. Then I read something a couple of minutes ago from one of the NFL reporters that Biennemi is off to the commanders and the person makes sure to put in there and, and the beginning of the tweet is the uh, move has been made per Eric Biennemi's agent. The reporter also says the Chiefs really wanted to keep him. Why would you ever have to, like, that would be a given, wouldn't it? Like, did, did, did you see that? The Colts have hired Shane Steichen. Just note, the Eagles really wanted to keep Shane Steichen. Well, yeah, he just got a head coaching job. He's a successful OC. Why is, it, why is that even mentioned? Yeah, and I'm not suggesting that the Chiefs would have fired him. No. They wanted to move on. They've, I believe they've wanted him out for two years. It's why they brought Matt Nagy back when he got fired by the Bears, and Nagy has basically been some sort of consultant as the NFL staff seem to have, you know, 30 guys in some role. How long is it um, going to take the Chiefs to hire their next offensive coordinator? We had well, eight seconds. I mean, that's that's the other. I saw this morning reports that, you know, looks, looks like Matt Nagy will be the guy. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! And again, we're not a Kansas City-based show, but we know enough people there. And I told you, you know, at the end of the season last year, there was some kind of big blow-up in the locker room with Biennemi and Tyreek Hill. Well, Tyreek Hill went bye-bye. And I'm not saying that blow-up is the only thing that you know is prompting this move i but i also don't believe the enemy would take a job with the dan snyder commanders unless he was gently told by the chiefs it's time to move on and i'm sorry you can't get a head coaching job we're going to do all we can publicly to help you out but you got to get a job and then he looks around he's like well i guess i'll take the commander's job well i I think one of the issues and and i and all of this like if it's not the story i would love the chiefs to come out i don't believe they would come out and be honest. But, like, I'm not trying to rain on Eric Bieniemy's parade, but there are a lot of people who are pissed off right now that Bieniemy's made what looks like a lateral move to go to a horrific organization with a terrible owner who, by the way, just because Dan Snyder today seems to be selling the team doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Artie Moreno, three months ago, we had reports, Angels getting sold. And then, you know, led by JBT, Angels fans found out like a month later that their hearts were broken as Moreno was like, no, I'm going to keep the team. What, what keeps Dan Snyder, maybe there's behind-the-scenes stuff, yeah. what keeps Dan Snyder from just going, nah, you know what, I'm not selling the team. <laughs> yeah. um, I, well, I think he's, he's going to be forced if he doesn't want to. But uh, in, ter- in terms of being, I mean, I, like, I don't, I, I think we're making it sound like it was some ugly situation. They wanted to get, no, it's not that. The other problem that the Chiefs have and this is this is the real issue that is going to be a massive issue at some point that they've just avoided. When Andy Reid does step down, which I don't think is going to be this year, but it could be, they were not going to hire Eric Bieniemy, yep. and they did not want that on their resume. They did not want to be the ones who, for years and years and years, said somebody hire Eric Bieniemy, and then they have a head coaching opportunity, and they're like, "Yeah, we're going with Matt Nagy." 
Um, before today, I'll say there was a 0% chance of Andy Reid walking now from the head coaching job. I'll now put it back to 15%. Yeah. Yeah. And I would not be shocked if he retires and Nagy's the head coach. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Which, how much will people me- – I mean, it won't be, like, right in front of you because the enemy won't be an option because he's somewhere else. But if that happens, like, like if, if this is what's going on, they need to massage this whole situation and read read better wait like another month. Yeah. Or you know what? Stay around right? And then Nagy's got the job by Tuesday? Yeah. There's a there's a lot more going on here than simply a coach, an African American coach who's been part of a winning program, can't get a head coaching job, and now he seems to have left for a really crappy job. I and mean, let's not even do we even have to discuss? He just went from Patrick Mahomes to now tutoring Sam Howell. Or Derek Carr? We'll see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All of those things. And look, like part of it, a part of this whole thing is he was never, no matter what the Chiefs, the Chiefs could score 97 points a game next year. And nobody would ever say it was anything to do with Eric Bieniemy. And it probably isn't that much. He doesn't call plays. It's all Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Reid gets credit because he calls the plays and it's his offense and all those other things. But in the past, it's been the same. It was the same for Matt Nagy. He got a job. So I mean, same for Doug Peterson. Sure, those, those are same for Nate Hackett. Mostly, I guess he got to call some plays a little bit in Jacksonville, but he did yeah. it with Aaron Rodgers, yeah. where most of uh, his success came, and he built his resume. So I look. Anybody who listens to the show knows we believe. I strongly believe there is a massive, massive problem with race and hiring in the NFL. There absolutely one hundred percent is. It needs to be addressed and fixed somehow. I I don't believe Eric Bieniemy's issue is that he's black. I believe there's other issues at play. However, if those same issues existed with a white coach, he would probably get hired. So it is a race issue in the end. Like I think this is an Eric Bieniemy issue. Yeah. But I think that with most cases, we overlook any issue that a white coach has and just say, oh, you have these issues in the past. You are tough to get along with, supposedly. Uh, you don't call plays. That's okay. You're white. Like There is that. There is that. But I, I don't. I believe in Eric Bieniemy's specific instance. It's an Eric Bieniemy issue. XFL opens tomorrow. You are or you are not on the beat because you've been you've been writing some stories. All right, what are you Three looking for? Three features this week. What are you talking about? I saw Work one today. I didn't, yeah, I didn't get to click on them yet. Relax. I'm trying to catch up. I got a lot of TV to watch. By the way, we got Mark McMillan on. So uh, Mark's on uh, Fox and Next Level Chef. So I banged out the first two episodes last night. So you know how hardcore I get on uh, reality TV. By the way, the XFL is doing a sort of reality documentary. Our Player 54. When does that come out? Uh, I think it came out on ESPN Plus last night. So it's already out. Okay. All right. And they're going to follow these guys. And I mean, fascinating because everyone in the XFL eventually wants to be back in the NFL or break through when they're, in everyone, the National everyone Football Everyone in the League. XFL is Player 54 because they're the 54th player on the NFL roster. There you go. That's the name of the documentary. What are you expecting tomorrow? It's a noon start for the Vegas Vipers in Arlington. I have no idea what to expect. I've I talk, don't either. I've talked to a bunch of players, talked to a bunch of coaches. Um, that's how I've been spending my last couple of weeks. I think there's some really cool stories on the team, for sure. We've, we've talked to a bunch of the players. Um, I, I have no idea. Like, I, I this briefly, is not. I will, I will say this. Yeah. For those that are wondering what's going on, this is not XFL 2001. This is not circus football like they tried to do in 2001. Uh, it's much more what you would see in a normal football game. 
However, there are some innovations, like there, you know, like there is in the XFL. Like they tried it uh, when in twenty twenty, got sh- cut short by COVID. But a lot of very similar rules to what you see in the NFL, except a couple of experimental ones. There's one golden challenge. You get one challenge a game. It could be anything. Hold, you don't like a holding call? Challenge. Somebody false started. Didn't you, you think it was a false start, not a offsides? Challenge. Oh, I love once, this. Once a game. But the game is going to go so long. Only once a game. I'm kidding. Both yeah. of us are like, do 53 golden challenges. Yeah. Um, but it's only once a game. PI? Uh, you can challenge anything. All right. Literally anything. Yeah. Um, they are experimenting with a rule that I think a lot of people would like to see. Uh, if a offensive player fumbles, like at the one-yard line, it goes into the end zone, not a touchback. Oh, wow. Stays with the offense wherever the ball was fumbled. Dave Casper lives on. Comes back to that. Uh, no extra points in terms of kicking. You either go for one, two, or three from the two, five, or ten. Uh, you do. They they are experimenting with the. Wait, go back on that one. So there's no kicks for a point after a touchdown. When you score, you either say going for the from the two yard line, the five or the ten, and that's one, two, or three points. Oh, I love this. Um, in the fourth quarter, instead of an onside kick, you can choose to go for it on a fourth and fifteen. So you've got the ball, gain fifteen yards, you keep it. You don't. The other team gets it right there. This was a rule that was discussed in the National Football League. Who was real high on it? Uh, the Ravens. Ravens, you're yeah. right. Um, and so a lot of this is – it's a deal with the NFL, essentially, to say, hey, look, let's try out some of these. It's a, they call it a, a, a test tube, I think, they, or a, a, a Petri dish of, hey, let's just throw some of these rules in, see what works, what doesn't, if we use it for the NFL, if we can't. So a lot of it's experimentation for the NFL. So there is some gimmick to it, but not like there was – you know, not like the craziness of trying to get guys hurt like it was back in 2001. So – I think it's interesting. Um, it's football, so people, I think, will tune in. And there's some names that you're going to know. Certainly, you know, Josh Gordon's playing in the league. On the on the, on the the Vipers, they have Martavis Bryant, obviously a name people know from the NFL. Uh, they got some other talented players. They just signed Brett Hundley. Uh, I don't know that he's ready to play a full load of snaps yet, but uh, I was told he'll get a couple snaps in, in the opener. Obviously, Brett Hundley, a guy that backed up Aaron Rodgers, been in the NFL for eight years. Um, so, you know, UCLA superstar back in the mid-2000 uh, teens. So a lot of names that you're going to know when you tune in and watch them with the skill position guys. And then we'll you know we'll kind of see how it works out. But I think it'll be fun. And it's a Vegas team, and they're going to play a Cashman Field for the home game starting next week. And Ooh. I, I think people will be out there. What? I'm just surprised at something I, I just saw. They do have – the Vipers do have a depth chart out. Oh, yeah. Well, i got to check that out. You just, you just I, saw that one? Well, I was looking at the notes. Uh, Sage, the PR guy, does you know a great job. Very in-depth notes. Yes, but I did not. I in no way did I expect there to be a depth chart. I figured this was going to kind of be fluid. My guy, Mister Harry, will back up at safety. I thought he might win the starting job. Yeah, what's your story on him? Uh, just an interesting kid. I talked to him. He, um, a Sacramento State kid, a very talented player. But everyone in his family plays basketball. Like literally everyone. His uncle was drafted. His dad played in France. His sister is a point guard at Stanford. His brother plays at Arizona State. His younger brother is a top prospect in California basketball. He was going to play basketball. Uh, decided Sacramento State coach offered him a football scholarship, went there, became all-conference, signed with the CFL, and like the day he signed in the CFL, they shut down for COVID and basically said, I'm going to move to Las Vegas. His girlfriend was playing for the UNLV Lady Rebels at the time. Uh, moved to Las Vegas, and he said, I'm never leaving here. i got to figure out what to do with my life here. <laughs> I'm never leaving here. So he, that's that's like what he said. He said. There's the other side who are here for three months, and they're like, I can never come yeah, back. i got to get the hell out of he here. He said he's never leaving. Loves the energy, loves oh, the wow. people, loves the all-night action. 
not a partier, but he just said, I like, you know, I like the idea of being able to go to sushi at 4 in the morning. So, oh. um, Are you going to hang out with him all the time now? Maybe. Played for the, uh, he actually, <laughs> sounds like you. He actually played for the Nighthawks okay. in, in arena football, and then uh, now he's playing for the Vipers and uh, trying to make a go of it. And just a, an interesting kid. There you go. Nevada Sports Writer of the Year. Forever, forever moving forward. That's, that's why right there, stories like that. Yeah, I noticed on the depth chart, Clayton Bradley, who we uh, had the interview with yesterday in the third hour of the show, former USC player, former UNLV player, was kind of dinged up at the end of his uh, Rebel run. He's going to be the starting left tackle. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. There you go. Uh, we got a lot to get to. I want to get to Derek Carr's official visit this weekend because he essentially is like a college recruit right now. But I, I do want to mention, before we get to VGK as well, uh, nice job yesterday for the Lady Rebels. That's 25 wins. They beat San Jose 77-60. Two players had double-doubles. One of them was a sophomore, Alyssa Brown. She's really emerging. She had 17-12. and 12. So 25 wins, 15-0 and 0 in conference. That clinched the second straight regular season title in the conference, which is a tough feat. You know, this is a, a wicked conference going on the road and keeping your focus, and the Lady Rebels have gotten through the slate unbeaten so far and in pretty good position to make the NCAA tournament. Obviously, they want to win the Mountain West Conference tournament to get the auto bid. What's more impressive? Uh, the Lady Rebels winning the conference for the second time in a row or your nerdy trivia troupe that travels around town? Did you guys buy a championship belt? No. No. Someone was holding a belt. Yeah, it's the, the winner gets the belt. They have a championship belt at, at at bar trivia night. Yeah. Oh wow. No question the legitimacy of the belt. Boy, you love this, don't you? Five titles. It's five. Is this like your number one? Not the show or or writing. Is it your, the number one joy of each week or whatever you do it twice a month? Yeah, because of how hated we are. I've heard you. Get, I've heard you're hated. Yeah, we get very obnoxious. Mostly because of one team that we don't like. Didn't you chase them off? No, they, they tried to come back. They just I, haven't, I they told haven't you, won. you told me about the story a couple weeks ago that uh, there was a dominant team, and then you guys went in and started dominating another trivia team, then got obnoxious and, and talked talk, trash. Talked and then so much trash. And then they bailed. They left. They quit. Yeah, and we were asked to, uh, to tone it down toward them because they couldn't handle it. Trivia night, folks. Um, Adam Hill, trivia night. I'm not the biggest offender of the trash talk. I'm second. Really? Yeah, I'm second. Female? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Good for you guys. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. Can't, can't fight back on that one. What are you going to do? Go over and throw a beer in some lady's face? Yeah. But we chased them off. They returned the last couple of weeks. We won two in a row. I How think, close? I think they might leave. You think they're out again? I think they might be. Hey, can't, can't take the heat. I'm thinking about sending some plants down there. Just like three just big guys. Just to like really get in your face. I bet you leave. Nah. No. No. They better be smart. That's not the point. I want them to get annihilated. And then you, you know, or, or like compete a little bit, and then you guys start talking trash, and they just stand up, and they're like, what? What'd oh, you say? We can handle it. Nerd? We can handle it. Nerds! Like Ogre. That, that, that would be great. I wish I had connects to Ogre and Stan. Well, I also I like all the other guys' names. I also like that anytime, there, the anytime there's a sports question, people are like, oh, I know they're going to know this. Hey, we're getting, all, we're getting all of them right. We're not just a sports team. We get them all right. Look at how happy he is. Yeah. He just <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. All right. Knights win. We got some good stuff from Bruce Cassidy. He was on this morning on the Press Box. Make sure you go to lvsportsnetwork.com for the full interview with Cassidy. And we certainly have to get into Derek Carr and his uh, 
I'm assuming multiple visits coming up. He is now essentially a, a college recruit all over again, and I, I guess he's enjoying New York, but he better get used to uh, northern New Jersey. That's where the team is, bruh. The Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. You told the world that you think highly enough of him that you want him to be part of your organization. You can't walk that back now. You can't take him out, date him a little bit for the next 24 hours, and then say, we're just going to wait to see what Aaron Rodgers does and then be surprised when he goes somewhere else because the Saints aren't going to make him wait. The Panthers aren't going to make him wait. Like, there are plenty of teams right now this weekend that will make Derek Carr feel valued. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Uh, Jason Fitz there from Fitz and Harry, a regular on Raider Nation Radio 920. Talking about the Jets and Carr and who wants him and who's going to make him feel wanted. And he's onto something there. Believe me, Derek Carr is going to enjoy every moment of this because he is an emotional guy. And uh, I'm sure the last couple of years he had mixed feelings about the Raiders and feeling wanted. Probably not mixed because there were so many rumors out there every year about Who's going to be the next quarterback? Does Gruden like him? Does McDaniels like him? Does Mark Davis like him? So that's coming up in just a couple minutes. I want to get to VGK last night. So I I saw a lot of griping early. I was watching, kind of keeping track of the game on social media because I was overdoing the uh, Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network call of the Lady Rebels game. What was the vibe early in the game when they fell behind? Um... Well, they didn't fall behind. Yeah, no, I should early, step back early. and say, and because you're right, scoring. it was in the it, yeah. They were missing opportunities, and yeah. you get there's there's ten like really gripey Golden Knights fans who immediately go into like, oh, here we go again. Like, relax. Well, fortunately, they weren't there. I mean, it was. Whew. What do you mean? Whew. Not not the strongest attendance they've had in a while at a Golden Knights game. So there's plenty of empty seats last night. Uh, so it, it was kind of. A little bit down anyway in terms of energy in the building and then uh it was one of those games where you know they didn't score at all but they they were they were dominating i know people are kind of sick of the hey they're doing everything but scoring but they were they were not allowing chances at all i think the shots were like 14 to 4 in the first period and the chances were something like you know nine to one or something along those lines of just total one-sided play they just they weren't able to put the puck in the net and then they get kind of a you know little bit of a fluke, a rebound goal that went in at you know in the second period, and all of a sudden you go from completely kind of controlling a game to chasing it. Now in the end they score, they get they get a goal, and then they avoid overtime uh, by getting another goal right before the end of regulation. Kind of a a great kind of a great play by Chandler Stevenson to find a wide open Will Carrier, and Will Carrier. Uh, did not miss. I think that was one of those things where you're you're kind of nervous when you just get the puck right in front of the net and just have to tap it in. Uh, sometimes freak out a little bit. And he said, "I just looked and said, there's no way this is real. Like there's no, there's no way I'm standing in front of an empty net." Uh, so he kind of put a little bit maybe too much on it, but it went in the net and they score and get the win. And in the end, you get two points. You have four straight wins. You've won every single game since the All Star break, and things are going really well. But I think for a lot of the game. It was all right. Those those three games of these this big goal eruption was kind of a fluke. It's over. It's done now, and it's back to not being able to score the puck. What is the story with the power play? Yesterday was bad. I mean, I, I know that Bruce Cassidy said after the game there was a couple that were that were okay. It was like about three of them were okay. We generated some chances, but for the most part, it wasn't there. And I, I know a couple of the plays were, you know, Phil Kessel just did not look comfortable in his spot on the power play. He 
uh, kind of bungled a couple pucks away, and uh, they just couldn't get a rhythm and couldn't get, couldn't get a flow going on their on their power play at all. And they got seven chances, tied for the most in franchise history, without being able to put a puck in. And uh, they need to find a way to score. Like if you're going to draw power penalties at that rate and get that many power plays, especially when you're struggling to score everywhere else, you've got to find a way to convert one. Bruce Cassidy was on uh, ESPN Las Vegas Morning Show, the press box, and they got into Mark Stone. And you'll hear in this answer here, you know, where do they miss Mark Stone? A lot of places, but especially the power play. His ability to make make plays uh, in traffic is the biggest thing. He does it on the uh, goal line on the power play. He does on um, breakouts where he's really good at getting the puck off the boards into the middle of the ice uh, to speed, whether it was Stevie or Jack, whoever he's playing with. He just has that extra sense of timing. With, with people around him, he makes plays where other guys might force it or panic or, or just not be able to execute for whatever reason. He's really, really good at that. Um, he's done it well his whole life. That's the part we miss, those little small area plays that lead to good scoring chances. He's also got a great stick in the neutral zone and forechecking, all those things. Um, and you can sort of make up for some of that with other guys by, by, by doing, you know, coaching them up and uh, getting them to, to, to reload. And our, our team has done a great job of that as a whole, but you just miss his, his ability to make that extra pass that's going to result in a really good chance. And it's really shown up in our power play. Yeah, I think it's shown up a lot of places. I don't. I I know the power play is a big one for sure. Uh, where he he is able to just he's such a good passer, has such good vision uh, that he's able to do some of those things that they need. But um, his his absence is showing up a lot of places, and it's going to continue. And uh, I don't know that it's going to get better because I don't know when he'll be back if he'll be back. So you, know, you got to figure it out. It, it's it's kind of like last year again, where you know. You could say, well, the reason that they're struggling is because this guy's not playing and this guy's not playing. Well, if he's not going to come back, then it's not you can't really keep relying on that because that's what the team is now. Let's do a giveaway now. 364-1100-364-1100. we got the Mountain West Conference men's and women's basketball tournaments coming to town. It's a tournament week, all these conferences in town, but our conference is the Mountain West Conference. 364-1100-364-1100. i give you two tickets to a session of... The Mountain West Conference Tournament, it goes from March 5th to the 11th. It's over at the Thomas & Mac. You can grab tickets at themw.com slash 2023. I mean, the easy way locally is just to go to unlvtickets.com. Tickets start as low as 25 bucks for a session. Uh, upper level, uh, you can get in for multiple sessions, and uh, you can pay as low as 45 bucks. There's actually an all-session price for all of the women's games. That's a low price, so go check it out, unlvtickets.com. Two tickets right now. Ari will hook you up. 364-1100, March 5th to the 11th. Mountain West Conference Championship is in town. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Fifty-five plus TVs, all the sports you can handle. It's original, right? Here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. If you can't handle sports, don't come down here. Um, great setup, and right now golf on the big screens. We'll get into Tiger Woods and Tampon Gate in the four o'clock hour. Also coming up, more on Derek Carr and his official visits going down it's around the Jets in New Jersey and New York. This weekend, Stanford Route is going to join us, the former Oakland Raider, in just a couple minutes. A little post Super Bowl talk and car talk and B enemy talk. If you missed it, Eric B enemy finally, finally, it happened. He'll be the offensive coordinator 
with the Washington Commanders. We had big news come down yesterday. It, it's big news because it means the process moves on with Alvin Kamara, which certainly there is a Derek Carr angle in this because we don't know what the Saints are going to look like from a roster standpoint. If something serious comes down with Kamara, this is the first step in officially moving forward in what is alleged to have happened. It's on video. Over at the Cromwell, former Barbary Coast, where Kamara and another NFL player were involved in some kind of fracas. So the grand jury indicted yesterday here in Vegas. You watched the video, right? You've covered the story. You followed yeah. along. You guys yeah. have done a good job of the paper. Of, and I here's the crazy thing with this. Because the NFL did nothing this last year. They're going to let the process play out. The story kind of died. Remember, it happened at last year's Pro Bowl. We found out that Kamara got in some sort of scrap. And a guy got freaking lit up right by the elevators. If people are familiar with that property, the elevators to go up to the parking garage. And it was, it was freaking brutal. Brutal. But I think a lot of people around the country haven't seen, read the account, haven't seen any video of it. I think if that was out there, it'd be a big deal. It's going to get out there eventually. Yeah, uh, it is. And, and, you know, we should point out the Camara side from his attorney this week is that uh, it was self-defense. It was started by somebody else. And you only see part of it in the video. You only see the retaliation, not the start. Uh, so that's what they say. And if that's true, then, Could be the case. then we'll need to see the rest of it. And... Uh, they also made a claim, which, again, I don't know, but they said they went around the normal processes to move this forward because they didn't have enough evidence to go through the traditional channels. Um, so we will see what they're talking about, what their defense is, what uh, you know, what their claims are when we move forward. But uh, this will move forward. What uh, two months, I believe, now from to the next court appearance, or uh, I think it's two months after. The indictment came down. That's when they have the preliminary hearing. So uh, it sounds like they'll, you know, they'll continue to move forward in this case, and a lot more will come out. And I'm sure the NFL will then suspend Alvin Kamara for six games. That's the standard, right? Yep. Except that it's not. It's not. It's all over the place. Of course. You always go back to whatever it was, 2015, and they're like, violent incidents, always six games. Like now, and you said at the time, it's like each case is different. Some are going to be two, four, six, a whole season. You no, don't six. know. Six every time. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. One of the things that I think will be a big part of the discussion is the quarterback sneak with the pushing, what the Eagles did, you know, getting behind Jalen Hurts, pushing him into the pile. I think the league's going to look at that, and that used to be illegal. You weren't allowed to push a ball carrier to aid that ball carrier in gaining yardage. The rule changed mid-2000s, and they took it out. I think they're going to look at that and possibly take that out of the game. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Rout on Cofield and Company. On the way back, that was the voice of one Dean Blandino working with the XFL on officiating and rules and also works with Fox, officiating expert. Second time we've had him on in like seven days. I'm sorry, Adam. I know you like talking to Dean. I did tell him at the end of the interview that we would call him tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, We did not call him the next day, but uh, he was talking about the Hertz push. I don't know what you want to call it. We'll get to that in a couple minutes with Stanford Route because he played defense, and I'm sure that... That formation is uh, nightmarish. Stanford is with us here on a Friday. Stanford, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good, fellas. Happy Friday to you. 
Happy Friday. Well, first of all, we didn't get to hook up at the Super Bowl. I, I think you were around. What did you wind up doing? Who did you see? Oh, man, I uh, got a chance to go ahead and reconnect with a lot of old teammates, uh, be able to go ahead and hang out with them a little bit, and just, you know, kind of like a reunion for me and uh, several guys uh, that, you know, were playing around that time, that era. So it's always a fun time, Super Bowl week, to go ahead and catch up and rekindle those same friendships that you were able to go ahead and, and grow so intimately throughout your playing days. So it's always a great experience. What did you think of Phoenix as a host city? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't hate it. You know, I don't think that that's the best city in the world to uh, to have a to host a Super Bowl. But you know, like I said, I didn't have any any major issues. Uh, a lot of things that were going on were either in the downtown area or the Scottsdale area. So to me, you know, the 15 to 20 minute drive is not that big of a deal. So. Uh, I'm not going to have too many complaints. I think that when you look at it in totality versus the other states, or should I say the majority of the states within the United States, uh, based on how the weather is in the southern versus western part of the U.S., I can always see that Phoenix is going to be one of the staple cities to host the Super Bowl. When you said you didn't hate it, I was going to immediately jump in and say, oh, you stayed in Scottsdale. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, now, yes, I stayed in Scottsdale. Yes, I did. Yeah. But just, you know, when you look at early to mid-February and it's not snowing outside, it's not uber cold like in Montana or New York or Minnesota or Cleveland. So that, to me, is always going to be a plus. You want to have the Super Bowl in a moderate to warmer climate in February, and that's not something that you can just go ahead and, close your eyes and just point to a place on the map and be able to find that within our country so that's why even though i wouldn't say it's the best city to host a super bowl i'm definitely not going to go and poo poo Stanford routes with us we sat down with a couple of raiders on radio row one of them was uh lorenzo alexander who played linebacker i think it was in 2015 a couple of years after you were leaving the nfl and lorenzo was really strong on saying that he thought the raiders mistreated Derek Carr. So I'll, I'll bring it to this. What do you think of Carr now kind of going on another college recruiting tour, you know, doing the official visits? I'm sure he must love it. And, there, you know, what? as a fan, as a media person, I, I understand he probably needs a little bit of this to, you know, bring back his confidence. Uh, you know, Carr did battle with the fans and then all the, the rumors out there. So I'm sure he's enjoying the hell out of being catered to. Yeah, I think that uh, he deserves an opportunity to be a free agent, per se, to go ahead and try and, and, and let teams woo him, let teams wine and dine him and see what's the best fit for him. And, you know, I look at everything throughout his career, and to say that he was mistreated, I don't know if I would go that far. I can, I can say that, you know what, there's things that the Raiders could have done better with how they handled him, things the Raiders could have done better as far as putting certain pieces around him and things like that. But to say that he's mistreated, when you look at how he got drafted in the second round, he started off the year as a starter back in 2014. After he finishes his rookie contract, then give, then give him a nice long extension, five years, 120-some-odd million or something like that back at the time. And then uh, less than, and then with a year remaining on his on his then current deal, they sign him to, what, three years, 120, 40 million, some a year, or something like that. So it's very difficult for me to say that somebody that's giving you 40 million a year mistreated you. Uh, but I definitely see the sentiment that a lot of guys are going with. And 
the way that everything was handled over the last, let's say, two months, ever since mid-December, that right there, I feel there should have been more conversation, more communication, and getting on the same page with what exactly the plan was going forward. That way it did not come out throughout the media, throughout social media, throughout everything else as far as why it seems so murky, so obscure, and why Derek Carr has been in the last two weeks of the season away from the team. I'm interested in your thoughts because Steve did mention, you know, if he's on a recruiting tour, maybe it helps boost his confidence a little after what he went through getting benched and uh, released. And, you know, what it sounds like, only one team out there was willing to trade for him. And when he went to visit them in the Saints, they said, yeah, we'll trade for you. You're taking a pay cut when you get here, but we'll trade for you. Like, does that really impact the player's confidence? Could that could that get them feeling a certain type of way about themselves? I mean, let me ask you all this. If your boss came to you right now and told you to take a pay cut, what would you tell I think I made my I think I made my point. So <laughs> yes, it, sir, it, hold so, on, it, it wouldn't be thirty yes, million. Ma'am. It wouldn't be thirty million to twenty million, though. It'd be you know, nothing to less than nothing. It, would you take it? I, I'd have to. Oh, okay. Now you would. You, right. you, don't be ridiculous. Now you're you're overplaying your hand. Cut it out. <laughs> so ridiculous. As far as not having a lot of trade partners that are willing to step up, whenever a team comes out. And it's already well documented that they need a certain player off the books by a certain day. We all know they're going to find, try to find a trade partner. If they don't, they're going to go ahead and release the guy because they don't want the guaranteed money to now kick in. So if I'm somebody who is interested in Derek Carr, and I guarantee you it's more than one team. If I'm a team that's interested in, in Derek Carr, why the hell would I trade for somebody that I know you're going to release in about two weeks? Why the hell would I do that? Give up draft capital. And I know what you're going to want in return for this quarterback, this starting quarterback within the NFL. You're going to want assets, which are going to deplete my roster. Why in the hell would I do that when I know that he's going to be on the market very soon? All I got to do is just sit and be patient. There you go. Stafford Route joining us, former Raider. Uh, we, we listened to that rejoin coming back in, uh, talking about potentially – changing the rule on that quarterback sneak that the Eagles run. Essentially what they would do is say you can't push the ball carrier forward anymore. What are your thoughts on that play and, and potentially outlawing it? I think that when you look at how the Philadelphia Eagles manhandled so many teams within that situation this year, third and short, fourth and short on the goal line, and how they pile drove so many defensive lines, the way they pummeled them, I think that the NFL wants to at all times try to take away any aspect of the game that is an obvious advantage for one side versus the other. So that's why I think they're going to go ahead and look into it. Philadelphia was too dominating this year within that rugby scrum, as a lot of people like to call it in short yardage situations. So you're going to want to always make sure that it's at least attempts to look like an even playing field like you're not going to have one team that has an advantage over the other and so it seems like everything is going to be on an even playing field what 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 did you think as a defensive player watching it what would you have done (laughs) hey listen i'm not there to cover receivers (laughs) i'm not out there getting paid to get all get all up in that no 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 i'm not paid to get in the trenches i'm not paid to get in there hey that that's what them grown men are at so i'm gonna let them go ahead handle that 
that's their opinion, things like that. But just from a fan perspective, the NFL is the greatest athletes in the world. People want to see Tariq Hill screaming down the middle of the field on an 80-yard bomb. They want to see Aaron Jones, or they want to see Pacheco, or they want to see uh, uh, any star running back like Christian McCaffrey breaking a big, long run. They want to see Pat Mahomes scrambling to his right and then throwing across his body, finding Travis Kelsey wide open in the middle of the field. They want to see athleticism. They want to see these great acrobatic plays that these gladiators are able to make that they can just only sit in and hope and wish that oh my god i wish i had the athleticism to do that i wish that i was able to do that nobody wants to go and pay money to go to an nfl game to see something that is kin to a game of rugby that they play over there in australia so that's why i think that they're going to take a, a long hard look at this and it's just that imagery is just not NFL football-like. That's more rugby-like, and there's a stark difference. Even though it has certain similarities, there's a stark difference in the two sports. Stanford Rout is with us. Uh, what do you think of all the talk and the analysis around the, uh, the jet sweep action and then the boomerang and how the Eagles tried to adjust, and frankly, the Chiefs just kind of outsmarted them in the second half? I remember having a talk with several friends Friday afternoon in Phoenix about how the game was going to go. And so many people were saying, oh, my God, Philadelphia, they got this great defense. They got four guys on the defensive line that have more than 10-plus sacks. And I'm telling them, guys, listen, <laughs> I'm not disputing Philadelphia, good team. They got a good run game. They got a good defense. They got two stud corners, all of that. And I told them just like this. I said, Andy Reid is going to have something, at least three plays that the Chiefs are going to have that the Eagles ain't going to know what hit them. At least three, maybe more than that. And that's exactly what we saw. Andy Reid, one of the greatest minds, one of the greatest play callers that this game has ever seen. So as a DB, and this all started with the Jerry Rice route. Everybody knows what that route is, where you got the guy, he goes in motion. It's usually around the goal line or maybe a short yardage situation. He's going on a motion where now his guy has to run with him, and all he does is a quick out. It's, that play is designed for about just two to three yards. Go ahead, get the first down. If you're near the end zone, you can go ahead and run that play because the DB that's running across the field with him more than likely is going to get caught up in that trash. He's going to wind up bumping into a linebacker or something like that, and then it's a simple quick out by the receiver as soon as the ball is snapped, so that makes it an easy, an easy pitch and catch. Well, teams have gotten smart on defense where now they call it spin, where basically the, the, uh, the, the middle field safety is going to take – the motion he's going to basically go ahead and cut him off because he's in a position to do that because he's in the middle of the football field rather than letting that corner run all the way across with him which he's going to be beat just off of leverage anyway so they what they do is they send the safety and let him go and cut him off well that's what philadelphia was doing that's why you saw darius Slay pointing to his safety telling him spin 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 now because Philadelphia was anticipating, okay, they're about to go and give this motion across the field. Kansas City just had one, they were one step ahead of them. It's a game of chess, not checkers. And so the Chiefs decided, okay, we're going to go in motion and then we're going to stop. And then while they're already overplaying it, we're going to throw the quick smoke route out there to, I believe it was uh, Sky Moore. And then the first one was to, I believe, uh, McKinnon or somebody like that. And Philadelphia did not know what hit him. And as soon as the game was over, I called up my homeboys and I said, remember what I told you. He is <laughs> yep. going to have a few plays 
then Philly is not going to know what hit him. And the world never saw that. But I tell you this, you about to see some NFL teams start doing it next Oh, week. yeah. Oh, yeah. Copycat League. Stanford, have a great weekend, man. We appreciate the time. Make sure everyone out there believe, uh, listens to the Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman and Stanford. Thank you so much. Man, you guys be good. Talk to you next week. Getting ready for the 4 o'clock hour here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Come on down. 55-plus TVs, happy hour specials, free parking. We got prizes to give away. It's the Friday spot for Cofield and Company inside Treasure Island.